Welcome to the STL Soccer Report, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's STL Soccer Report. This is Phil. I'm again, as usual, in Dogtown, and I got a packed show for you. In fact, I thought about doing a big talk about the Charleston game. Um, we had something good to talk about. We got a 1-0 win at home. And there were good things to be seen from that, uh, including the new players that came in. A lot of exciting things to talk about in that way. Uh, guys looking good, like Sheldon and Tavo and uh, Daniel Jackson, the new player, looked good. Duty, of course, coming in and filling a role right off the bat. I think he'd only been there for a few days and uh, doing just fine at left back, coming down, back down to USL to his old uh uh, loner team as he's been in here every season so far the team has existed um, so that's all good stuff but I am not going to talk about that like I planned made some notes watch the game um, not going to do it because I talked to Jeremy Allenbaugh first here uh, the GM about everything I haven't talked to him in a while and um, there was just so much to catch up on and he had a lot to say that I think speaks much more volumes than uh, what I could pick out of just one Charleston game. And uh, so I think we'd rather hear that. I also talked to Jonathan Ace. He is the writer of Black and Yellow Post. Um, they cover Charleston. He calls Char- covers Charleston Battery. And I just had so many questions to ask him about different aspects of Charleston. Uh, they're first in the East and they're doing really well with very little possession. Kind of the opposite of what kind of team St. Louis is looking to be. And um, obviously, Romario Williams is on that team. He's gone now. So I was interested in a lot of different things that had to do with all of that. We talk a little bit about Gold Cup and uh, Atlanta United a tiny bit as well, if you guys are uh, MLS fans um, in any way. So tune in for that. That's at the end. Um, a few things to <laughs> cover about that is you could have probably already hear my one-year-old is in the background making noise. It's He's throughout this episode. And so I apologize for all the noise. Um, he started pushing around that little pop, uh, toy that just makes popcorn noises as you push it. Um, he starts crying here and on and off. Um, part of me being able to do this is means I have to kind of deal with the kids here and there. Uh, but it's worth it. Um, hope you're willing to deal with it as well. Maybe you'll even hear some, some cute coos and things like that in the background. And uh, I think it might be worth it. Who knows? Um, That said, um, I wanted to say one more thing, and that is that I'm going to be doing a lot less episodes than usual because I'm filling in for Eastern Conference Confidential podcast with Evan Valella and Ryan Allen. Um, And so I'm talking a lot about St. Louis in those episodes. And so if you just want to hear little updates about St. Louis, I'll be talking on that podcast about that and many other teams. If you want to kind of catch up on the Eastern Conference in general, Um, those other guys are much better. Um, They know the league a little better than me. Um, and Ryan is the stat robot, as we call him on there. The guy just brings the stats and, and gives some legitimacy to what we're talking about. And so uh, tune into that if you want to hear about St. Louis FC uh, from time to time. I talk about him in every episode because it's who I know best. Um, and so these will be fewer and far between. Um, also because, again, as I've said a million times, you don't want to hear me talk over and over and over. But you can listen to this guy talk. He's crying at me again. Uh, Simon, you want to say anything? Huh? I'll just tickle you if you don't. (laughs) Okay, you're going to cry. All right, that's it. Um, Enjoy first GM Jeremy Allenbaugh. And next after that is Jonathan Ace from Black and Yellow. uh, Black and Yellow Post for Charleston Battery. 
Uh, I'm going to attend to my kid now. Enjoy the episode. All right, I'm joined by Jeremy Allenball, of course, GM of St. Louis FC. It's been a long time since we've talked, Jeremy. How are things going? Yeah, we're doing all right. Obviously, like everybody in St. Louis, we're dealing with uh, the warm weather, trying to find ways to modify training, going earlier in the morning or you know, whatever it takes to make sure we're getting our work in, but dealing with the heat. So uh, we're doing all right, coming off the good result against Charleston, and uh, hopefully we got uh, a couple more in us here uh, to keep things moving in the right direction. Yeah, uh, a couple additions that I wanted to talk to you about that may have helped us in uh, the game against Charleston. Let's start with Patrick Duty. We, we brought him back for this one. What was the thinking behind that and, and how we got him? I guess the relationship hasn't gone sour with Chicago completely. So um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, no, the relationship with Chicago is, uh, is still a strong one. I mean, we keep in regular contact with them. And it was a situation where, you know, we felt after, you know, looking back at some things that getting someone there with a little more experience and, you know, a little bit uh, further along in their in their pro career was, was going to help us. So, um, you know, both Aiden and Ryan Howe have done well, but they're both still very young. So it was an opportunity to add somebody with experience and it was an easy one because, you know, Patrick's familiar with the club. He's familiar with the city. He knows the league. And um, it was it was an easy one to, to pull off. And that's when you do something mid-year, you have to be careful that uh, you're not adding something that's going to take, you know, two, three weeks for them to acclimate to your club and the league. So it was an easy one to pull off. And, um, you know, we're, we're happy to have him here. We'll see how long, how long he is here, but uh, we'll take advantage of every minute we can get from him. Yeah, that was my next question. After we, we get guys back, is that something we may not be able to hold on to him for very long? Yeah, it's just it's open-ended. So, you know, the relationship with Chicago was, look, he needs some games. Would you guys be able to bring him in? And, um, of course, we said, yeah. So we'll, you know, we just kind of go game by game and uh, see how long it uh, it works out and, and see what we can do. But, um, you know, they have a team to worry about, and if they need him back up there, then that's something they'll have to do. And you know, we'd like to see how long we can keep him here, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll work that out as it happens. Uh, definitely. Um, speaking of, has, is Aiden still in town? I know under 18 and stuff has been coming and going. Is that part of maybe what's been, uh, keeping him from the starting lineup? Yeah. No, he was, um, you know, he started the game out in Charlotte. He was in the 18, uh, last week against Charleston for mm-hmm. he's on the bench. So yeah, he's here. He trained all week, uh, this week. So it's, um, you know, it's just tough with those young guys. Uh, they're going to hit some peaks and valleys sometimes, but, uh, you know, we're still happy with his progress and, and how he's been performing. Good to hear. always like to keep up with him um, and all the other young guys. How about, let's talk about Daniel Jackson. Um, a little bit, you know, if you only look at the stats, say you don't watch the games and you, you're looking at stats, you look at goals scored and appearances and things like that. I know Jackson has come off an injury um, last year, but um, it didn't look like an even trade. Uh, talk about Angulo's past and his success in the USL in the past. Um, tell me about what you guys thought as uh, the GM in, in acquiring Jackson for Angulo and, and, and maybe fit and, and why you brought him in. Yeah, I think any time you do moves again at the mid-year, it has to be a good situation for everyone involved, and that's us and the players and the clubs and, and everyone. And, you know, you're not going to pull off deals and acquisitions if it's one-sided, so we thought it was a good move for, for everyone involved. Um, yeah, I mean, look, soccer's not baseball, so you can't look at stats, you can't look at numbers, and that doesn't mean that we don't. Um, we do. We look at it a lot. We're pretty deep with our analysis. We're getting even deeper 
with some of the things that we're doing behind the scenes with the technical staff and everything that way. But at the end of the day, DJ brings something that uh, that we needed to make our other pieces better. Um, he brings speed. He brings pace. He brings activity. Um, he's very mobile. Um, he covers ground both defensively with the press uh, as well as just making some runs to be more active into the channels and stuff. So by him doing that, we saw some glimpses in the Charleston game. Um, it opens up more space between the lines. So what you saw was you saw Christian uh, Valeski have an ability to turn and get faced up in between the lines and receive balls in there without having two center backs you know, kicking the crap out of them from behind. Because if they do that, now Daniel's a threat to get in behind with speed and pace. So uh, you also saw opportunities when Max came in the game mm-hmm. and you saw some opportunities with Tavo. Um, that they were able to receive balls with the back line dropped off a little bit more. Whereas in the last number of weeks, um, back lines have held a really high line against us, and they have physically imposed themselves on us because there wasn't that threat of somebody running in behind. So while DJ maybe doesn't have 12, 13, 14 goals in his last you know two years or his last season or anything, he was coming off an injury, like you said, last year. Um, but uh, in the Open Cup game against Colorado, Rapids, he had two assists and was very, very active. Um, you know, Oklahoma City's had to play him out of position a little bit, you know, on a mm-hmm. winger where we think he's better up front next to somebody. Uh, but he brings something that we didn't have. And by bringing that, it now allows some of our other pieces to be more effective. So you're going to see more opportunities for Delgard and Max and Tavo and Mats and those guys to get turned up in there and get faced up and be able to, to attack. Um, you know, with some space and not just be closed down so easily because teams can hold a high line. So that's uh, that's what we thought with that move. Time will tell if we were correct, but uh, early indications are we've added a really good locker room guy, a really good uh, person, and someone that is going to allow some of those things to happen. Yeah, a lot of fans have been excited. You know, they lost, we lost him early on, but a lot of fans were excited about Milan Petasevic because he seemed to, in a different way, but he seemed to kind of do the same thing to allow Angulo and Valeski to do their jobs a little better by freeing up some space, like you said. So even though they're different, is that kind of part of the thought process there is to bring in, instead of having two pure nines perhaps, um, bringing in another guy who can allow the nine to do his job better? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, they're Milan and, and, and Daniel are, are different, uh, but they're very similar with uh, some of the things that they do bring to the team. So Milan has a little bit more of a presence in the 18 with his size and his ability to uh, hold guys off strong. But, um, you know, uh, Daniel brings some of those things, same things as well. So, yeah, we're excited to have Milan uh, back in, in the 18 on Saturday. So that'll be a big one for us. And hopefully he can get back on track, show some of the things he showed early on in the season when uh, when he was effective for us. Yeah, so let's dig into that that dirty, dirty thing that is the injuries this year to the team. Um, we lost Milan pretty early on. Mirkovic came back this season. It's really, first of all, good to hear that Milan's coming back. Um, he's one of my favorites to watch, at least. Um, can you just walk me through? Because I I didn't even know until the post-game presser the other day that um, that at some points Tony Walls has been out and I didn't know for sure who was out versus who has been benched. You know what I mean? Cause you know, there's no injury list, uh, to a report to talk of, which we've talked about that in the past. No one else does. And you shouldn't unless everyone does. So, um, tell us it's now that it's already passed people in the past who have been injured. If you can tell us like 
who's been injured this whole time? Because I think it's more than people realize. Or are you allowed to tell yeah, me that? I think, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's never a problem. You know, when we get asked, we're always going to tell them I think we do. So in the Bethlehem Steel game, Tony Walls received a uh, a knock to his midsection. And, you know, all those games he missed was not because of performance, was not because of yellow cards or anything like that. It was because of the injury. So he couldn't play in the game against the fire. He couldn't play in, uh, you know, all the other games leading up to him just coming back here recently. I think the Charlotte game was probably his first game back. So, um, you know, he's, uh, that was a, a big, a big blow for us because we, we signed him to help get us through the days of Ivan being out. And then he gets knocked in that Bethlehem game and, you know, was unable to play for quite a while. So that was a big one for us. Um, you know, West Sharpie, uh, I think we announced last week with the MCL sprain, he's probably got out for another two weeks. Uh, Dragon got hurt in the Charlotte game with the groin. Hopefully he's back in the 18 tomorrow. Seth was out with the groin. We got him back. Uh, he was probably a little too anxious because a, the team had struggled. Uh, mm. B Milan was out. Um, and Seth knew that he could be valuable and not in a greedy way, but in a team way, he wanted to help the team. And he pushed back too early. So then he was out for two more weeks. Obviously he's back. Max Alvarez had, uh, you know, same surgery that Eric had, uh, the meniscus, uh, lateral meniscus tear, which is not a normal meniscus tear. It's a different type of one. He had surgery for that. Now he's back. So, you know, in all reality, right now, Wes is the only guy that's out on the injured reserve if, if uh, Dragon is able to come back in on Saturday. So you look, Milan, Ivan, uh, Dragon, Wes, Tony Walls, um, you know, that's the, you know, Seth Rudolph off the bench. We, we saw how valuable he can be um, with the three sub rule uh, last Saturday against Charleston. He subs in and, you know, it was very effective, I thought. Uh, something that we thought he could do, but uh, just been unable to be consistent on the field with the injury. So those are some pretty big pieces that uh, that have been out for us. And look, those are those are excuses if we point to that as a reason um, of why we kind of you know struggled for a bit there, and hopefully are climbing out of it. So, uh, but the reality is, yeah, we're we're missing some some heavy hitters. And the other thing that people don't look at is okay, so those guys are out, right? That's one part of it. But now you are putting much more wear and tear. On guy like Dragon got hurt, yeah. no question because Tony was out. Yep, that's the reason he he got hurt in the Charlotte game because he's been logging more minutes and more miles than he needed to. Um, but with Ivan out and then Tony out, we had no choice. So um, you know, can we better manage that and watch that in the future? Yeah, but I think we had to have Dragon on the field to try to get us to where we you know wanted to go. So. You know, you have one injury, but then all of a sudden now you have another one because, like, you know, Seth, mm -hmm. Elon's out with the surgery. So now Seth is going to, he tries to push back too early. And, you know, we sat him down after it happened and said, look, you, you have to be, you know, you have to be smarter than that. You, you know, you felt good, you were good, but ease back into it. Don't come back in 100 miles per hour. And I think he learned that lesson and now he's back and fit. So we're, we're in a good spot. Obviously, that'll be really important in August because of the games and, the backup of, of the games we have in August for us to be fit and healthy. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about Mirkovic and Milan and all the guys you just mentioned. As a GM, you're mid-season, early mid-season, and you're losing all these guys and you're looking for people to fill holes. Is that, I mean, of all the situations we've been in, how hard is it to find guys mid-season like that to fill a key role such as Mirkovic and Dragon? Like, was that really difficult to kind of figure out? 
Like, how do yeah, we I mean, find we, walls? We, we lucked into Tony. Yeah, I mean, we lucked into Tony Walls just because of he's somebody that we've always liked, um, and he just happened to be free Got and it. was without a team. He played indoor, so he kind of, you know, people had forgotten about him because uh, he didn't play last season after he left Rochester. So we were able to work our way into that one. You know, we've been talking to Oklahoma City about DJ for a while, and we finally got to a point where it made sense for both sides. Um, and we talked to the fire back in March about duty, and it just finally worked out. So timing is, is part of it. Um, you know, and there's just certain things that you can't control when it comes to that timing. But it's difficult. This is a league where there's not a lot of trades. Uh, this is a league where, you know, players are on guaranteed contracts. Um, so it's not uh, where you can just, oh, somebody had two bad games. You know, you drop them and somebody else picks them up. It doesn't work like that. So it's, um, you know, between those two things, it's, it's difficult. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you build your roster and, you know, you, you always have a little bit in reserve, whether that's a, an international spot or some salary money or some roster spot or housing, whatever it is. You always keep some of that, you know, thinking if you can add somebody midseason. But, you know, it's difficult. And the other thing is a Gold Cup came in. There were a couple guys that we were hoping to – maybe bring in here um, when the window opened up and then you know now they're in gold cup rosters so now they're out for two weeks hmm. so do you really want to add somebody who's you know playing for their country for two you know two two and a half weeks and then by the time you know they get recovered and they get to you know the visa and all that stuff and then they got to get acclimated to the league hmm. now it's the end of august so you just have to be strategic with with your moves we've had a couple guys in the last couple weeks on trial um, we anticipate a few of these guys panning out with us and should have more on that in the next, you know, five to seven days that we'll be adding some more pieces if everything works out. But it's it's difficult, but, you know, it's the same, same way for everything. Yeah, so my heart just skipped a couple beats when you said gold team, gold cup rosters. That means you're looking at some really quality guys, well, for the most part, if we compare them to other USL gold cup rostered guys. But um, so it's not for trying, obviously. Um, I think everybody knows that about this team, that uh, you guys are all in and, and looking to fix whatever's wrong. But um, maybe let's talk about that. What are some of the, not just going off on, on things that are wrong, but what are some of maybe throughout the season, you're finding things that are wrong. Are there stats that you're looking at where you're like, team, we got to work on this stat? Or is it something else? Like, how do you fix an attacking drought uh, that we had like this if you're not just talking about players, but if you're talking about how to beat that? Is that something you and, and Precky and the assistants have all kind of tried to figure out this week? And, and what have you looked at in order to fix that? Not this week, throughout the yeah, season. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the staff is working very, very hard. A lot of conversations, a lot of video, a lot of analysis, a lot of difficult conversations with each other, um, with players, um, changing that, uh, you know, we, you know, we, at one point in the season when we were kind of going through the slump, and I said it before, um, is that we, we had the highest percentage of possession attacking half in the entire Asian Conference. We kept the ball and the opponents attacking half more than any other team um, other than Tampa Bay. And that's not a good stat. Um, you want to be risky in the attacking half. You want to create chances in the attacking half. You're going to give the ball away in the attacking half. So we had to kind of rework and retool uh, the group to say, look, take chances in there. Try to get forward. Don't take the safe way out all the time. So you 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 try to you know get that message across to players, and uh, sometimes that message takes a while to click in. Sometimes it takes it getting it to them in a different way. 
you know, maybe it's video, maybe it's on the field, it's one-on-one, it's talks at the midfield line. Hey, look, you guys as a group have to be willing to, you know, to take more chances in the front half, be diligent in the back half, don't give it away, but take more chances in the front half. So it's a process, and I think that's the one thing that people forgot is Precky's first press conference. He said, we were going to play attacking football. He said, we were going to win, but he said, it's going to take time, and it's a process. Now, um, I think when you bring in a coach with the pedigree and the name and the background of him, everybody thinks he's just going to walk in and everything's going to be hunky-dory every day in training and every game. That's not the case. This is football. Uh, there's you know good managers and good clubs around the world that uh, that struggle, and um, we've addressed those things. I think bringing in DJ is a big piece. Um, some of the other things, bringing the Patrick, getting some guys back. So it's not just one thing that's a difficult part of this business, and it's hard as a supporter, as a Liverpool supporter myself who <laughs> lives and dies with every move they make and every goal they miss and every loss that they take uh, during the Premier League season. I get it. Um, there's not just one thing you can point at. You know, it's not just the injuries. It's not just the you know the lack of scoring goals. It's a lot of things. It's the injuries. It's you know maybe having the wrong mindset in the front half. Maybe not playing to the midfielder's strengths. Maybe having to change some things. Spending more time in certain areas. So we've looked at everything. We have. I can tell you. Um, as a staff that they have worked very, very hard on trying to find those answers. We think we found some with some of these bows and some of these things that we're doing differently. At the end of the day, time is going to tell us if, uh, if we're pushing the right buttons or not. Yeah, and um, just some things to kind of back that up. I Precky did promise attacking soccer, and we're seeing that. You know, I mean, the goals aren't happening, but we are, for goodness sake, we're sending men forward, and we're trying our best to get goals. Um, very opposite of the past. Um, but also, by holding that ball in the front half, I've been extremely surprised, whereas our, our defense looked a little iffy in the early half of the season, I can't believe these score lines that we're seeing in St. Louis with how many guys we throw forward. Can you talk about the defense this year as maybe one small positive uh, this season on top of that Grinwis? Yeah, I think, you know, we've gotten good performance back there, but, you know, we've also looked, we went to Cincinnati and we got smacked and gave up four goals and we went to Charlotte and we gave up five. And look, in the U.S., with the travel you have in the U.S. and the heat you have uh, during the summer months and the wear and tear and you're going to have a game or two. LA Galaxy got smacked by Real Salt Lake a couple of weeks ago at home, 5-1. to one. So there's always a game or two like that in every league in North America. So, um, I actually, you know, you, but, uh, you know, I would agree that. Yeah, I meant the opposite, though. I've been, uh, and with the exception of those two games, which are huge games that people are going to focus too much on. But, I mean, for with the exception of those two games, we've solidified the defense a lot. And it's been surprisingly to me a lot of two to one, two to zero, you know, closer scores than you would expect with how much we attack. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't point at our defense as being outstanding. We wish no. it was better. Uh, that was my point. Was, I got it. Um, we've had some games where we've given up a handful of goals, and we've had some games. That look, Rochester very easily could have beat us that night, three zero. I mean, they missed some gimmies. We missed one gimme. They missed four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, Charleston, I don't think, created as many quality chances. Um, Charlotte, back in April, comes in here and creates two, and they score on both of them. Um, so I do think our defense has been decent at moments, and we've got some good performances. And, you know, Conrad sliding to block that shot a week ago was great, but he also almost gave the game away for us. Yeah. So it's been a mixed bag, just like it has on the attacking side. Um, you know, it's, uh, it hasn't been as tight and as stellar as we would like. But there's also been times, you're right, so where they've kept us in the game and they have um, allowed us to. I just think that's football. You know, some of the chances that we're missing, 
some of the chances that we haven't created. Um, maybe in those games we've been better defensively and then vice versa where we have created chances, maybe our defense has let us down. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Preki puts a lot of emphasis and being organized and being committed in the mentality. I think there's been a number of games this year, uh, where we, where we did have a tight scoreline, whether it was a tight loss or a zero, zero tie or, or what have you, um, where I think that is purely not because of performance always, but because of the mentality of the group. This group wants to perform. This group will work very hard for the staff. They will work very hard for the fans and supporters. There's a big commitment. There's a sense of professionalism um, that has been different in the past two years. And um, that's not a slam on players or staff or anything in the past. It's just this group is different. And that's been probably the biggest disappointment for us is we get to see it every day. We see the way they walk into the stadium. We see the way they train. We see the way they do the extra work ahead of practice, after practice, to take care of their bodies. And then just some of the performances haven't haven't carried over to that. So we see a change in it, um, and it's a different group, and it's a better group. Now they just have to get it done when it matters, and that's the 90 minutes on Saturday night. Yeah, I sense that talking to players, too, where they seem to be almost in awe as the fans are with with why the wins aren't coming and why the goals aren't coming in certain ways. I mean, they're they're honest with themselves that it's not perfect, just like you said. But I think they know that there is that professionality that's that's happening. Um, there's obvious talent on this team, um, and it's just not coming together, whatever that is. Um, and so that leads me to my final question here: is is we did win one zero against Charleston. Charleston. However, didn't create too many chances. Just like you said, sometimes the zero zeros we look better than than um, some of the the wins we've had. Did we turn the corner? Because some things looked better, but the stats aren't that different than usual. Um, and so, have we turned the corner? Or is that still coming? Um, what do you sense from here on out in the in the season? Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's still coming. And the the good thing is we just got to the halfway point of the season. And, um, you know, this group does have an ability to, to go on a run. This group has showed that it can score some goals. It showed that it can be tight defensively and, um, you know, not, not give up some goals. So I think we, we have it. It's just a question of execution. Um, it's going to still take some time for these pieces to gel. If Milan plays on Saturday night, you know, that's his first game in months. It's his first time he's, uh, you know, played with some of these guys. He's never played with a Daniel mm. Jackson other than training. Uh, some of these pieces that we sign and, and add here in the next, you know, like I said, five to seven days, if it pans out, it'll be the first time they've played in games when those opportunities come. So um, I can't say we've turned a corner. Um, I can say the performance and the result against Charleston was more like we want. Uh, Tava was, was very good. I thought, you know, like I said, DJ and, um, uh, you know, Christian were, were a good partnership up top. Max subbed in, got drawn, drew the foul for the goal that Tavo scored. Um, you know, so there's a lot of pieces you can point at. The question is, are we going to do it again on Saturday? If we do it again against Charleston on Saturday and we get the result, then I can say we've started to turn that corner. Um, as of now, I say we had a good performance and, you know, time's, time's going to tell. Yeah. Uh, completely agree. And let's all try to focus perhaps on it's actually not too late, despite all the negativity. Um, it's not too late. Uh, so, Jeremy, thanks again for talking to me and uh, very much. Tons of luck for the rest of the season. Obviously, we're all hoping for the best, not just uh, not just for the wins, but for you know the whole team. Everybody's, I think, 
including the team, the front office, I think everybody thinks we can do better, and, and hopefully it all comes together. That's the plan. Anytime. Happy to talk. All right, I'm joined now with Jonathan Ace. He is a writer for Black and Yellow Post for covering the Charleston Battery. You also write for Soccer and Sweet Tea um, since you guys are affiliated with uh, Atlanta United. Uh, you keep people up to date there on Charleston. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for joining me, man. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, house is all quiet now, so. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, I've been wanting to talk to someone from Charleston for a long time. And after St. Louis went to Charleston, um, obviously I follow the game hashtag and I saw you writing really good stuff throughout the game, stuff that uh, I respected, nothing too crazy or too angry, uh, which was always something that, um, is, is hard to find. I feel like in the USL. So, um, I definitely sought you out. Uh, Evan kind of recommended you as well from Eastern conference confidential. So, I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while because Charleston is doing obviously very, very well. And I kind of wanted to get more in-depth description of them in general. So, um, again, thanks for joining me today. And can you maybe get us kind of up to date? Tell us about the season so far and how it's going. Well, um, a lot of people think it's, uh, well, Romario Williams has 14 goals on the season. And everybody seems to think that it's just Romario that's... um, that's helped us on our way so to speak but it really isn't because this team really has um this team has a very tight-knit group and you know goals here and goals there that's fine but that's what you need in a good team and everybody seems to trust each other and get along and you need that in a winning team Without a doubt. And actually, that's something that I've kind of argued on Eastern Conference Confidential. Uh, Ryan and Evan definitely think that Romario is, you know, the guy that's going to get them past and that has lifted the team so much. And I think that could be true to a certain extent. But I've been the one I've even been uh, convinced of that to a certain degree. But I've been the one arguing opposite that maybe the system is that good and that the team just knows exactly what they're doing. They have a plan implemented. Would you say that maybe the, the strategy and the plan implemented by the coach is something else that's been um, something that gets Charleston up on top and keeps them there with or without Romario? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the biggest thing also is you have to remember that Romario only had nine goals in the whole of last season. Mm. And uh, suddenly has 14 goals in three months. So it's it's been crazy. Um the team really understands what he needs, and he understands what the team needs, hmm. and um, he's really come on in terms of, you know, stronger and quicker and stuff like that as well. So his game personally has improved, and um, we've also improved around him as well. Without a so doubt. That's been so that's been really important for him. Yeah, and that's something we can obviously tell. It's not just Charleston lifting him because, you know, we saw what he can do with an international team that can support him with some good passes in Jamaica. 
which actually you can draw some parallels uh, between the two teams in a way in style of play, at least. Apart in this... from the fact that they will both wear black and yellow. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, OK, well, let's talk more about Romario in a minute. I'm kind of more curious about what you thought about the St. Louis Charleston game. Uh, to a certain extent, I thought St. Louis played well, but also kind of stole one even though they were at home. So I wanted to see what your thoughts were as, um, in this case, the losing team. Um, we kind of traded places at home, didn't we? In a way, I mean, um, you know, the game against St. Louis at home for us was tough. Uh, if I can remember correctly, we only won 1-0 at home. And that was um, for us last over getting a goal. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you kept Romario quiet when we did have him anyway. So, um, and I think the injury early on didn't help either. So that was a big thing for us. I think it kind of shocked us in a way because, you know, Dante Marini is also a very important part of our squad. So, yeah. And so you were talking about Dante's injury was I, he was in that first game, wasn't he against St. Louis? He was. That's what um, I thought. The thing about it being is that Dante and Kataro Higashi kind of platoon on that left side, but um, I think Dante, with no disrespect to Higashi, has been the better player. So, so it's very important to have him in the side rather than you know both of them or Kataro at times um, because I think uh, Dante is very much stronger on the ball and he's he keeps possession better yeah and, and you we were talking yesterday about how important that left wing position is for your system you guys aren't looking to hold on to the ball in any way. You guys are counterattacking for the most part when you get your goals. And he is one of the two or three guys that everyone's looking for initially when, when they hit it on the break. So um, with Dante out now, um, are we going to be looking more for Higashi or, or where do they go from there with these injuries? I don't know because it's um, we brought in uh, Lagos Kunga who plays as a winger for Atlanta. Uh, for their uh, prospects team, I guess <laughs> they would call it U16s, U18s, um, and he was also and he was also with the US at the U20 World Cup, and that's where he played. So bringing him in is um, a big part of what we're trying to do going forward, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Do you know much about Kunga, about his style of play? I imagine he's a pacey guy. Yeah, he's pacey. He's got a good shot on him uh, from what I can see. He played well for the U20s at the World Cup, so I'm excited. and The rest of us are excited as well. The fans are. So we'll see. Definitely. Now, um is Charleston, have they been pretty steady in this style of play as far as this counterattack that they do, not caring about possession? Is that something they've been doing for a few years? And, and is that uh, something the coach has implemented? Well, it's it's gotten different as we brought in uh, quote-unquote better midfielders. Hmm. Um, Justin Portillo is very much, he's a very much uh, pass-orientated midfielder. 
So whenever we do possess the bowl, it's usually him that's setting everything up and, you know, metronome uh, being the metronome, so to speak. So sure. um, with, with the advent of him, so to speak, he's been one of our best players for the past three seasons. And since he's gotten better and better, we have gone to a more possession-style game. Um, but when it was just basically Dane Kelly up front with him and his pace and his um, and his strength, we were very much a uh, sort of hit and hope kind of team. And, mm-hmm. you know, Dane thrived in that, but I think for the team the way it is now, we are much, much better suited to the counter-attacking style. Without, yeah, obviously that's been paying off in, you know, the results there. Um, something else that people, I think even in my team, St. Louis and your team for sure, people don't appreciate enough perhaps is, is the amount of defense that's been played this year and how well they've been doing it. Can you talk about Charleston's defense? Uh, the defense, the defense is quite weird actually because we lost our captain at the beginning of this season. Um, he retired, uh, Sean Ferguson, but Forrest Lasso has done really well and stepped in, like uh, stepped in pretty perfectly beside Taylor Mueller in the center of that defense, and it's just been going from there. Yeah, and actually, let's talk about players. You mentioned Lasso, and we like to talk about Lasso, like how long is it going to take for an MLS team to take a chance on him just for his goal-scoring ability alone. So um, do you think think that's going to happen for Lasso, or or no? What do you think about him? um, To be honest, I don't think it'll be too long. He does need to refine some aspects of his game. He does tend to lunge in the challenges a wee bit, mm. so there's there's a little bit of uh, confusion on his part in that. But he's only, I think he's only 23, so he's got a lot to learn, so to speak. And um, I think with Taylor Mueller beside him, he's learning from the best. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So that's... I don't think it'll be too long. Yeah, and that's good for him. It, it might not hurt to be attached to a team like Atlanta United, who may. Uh, may need some center backs in the future, um, not to mention other teams, for goodness sake. But um, let's also talk some more about Romario in that way. Uh, again, in, at Eastern Conference Confidential, I like to talk a lot about whether I think, in my opinion, Romario should be taking the place of Kenwin Jones. This trade window is opening up here. Um, people have talked about maybe Kenwin going. Do you think Romario would fit in to Atlanta United's system maybe better, or is he up to play that level of soccer in MLS already? It's, what do you think? It's weird with Atlanta because apparently, for whatever reason, I don't think Tata Martino likes him. Um, and the biggest thing to remember is that Kenwin Jones wasn't a Tata Martino signing. So... Whether he needs that big number nine when you got somebody like Joseph Martinez who can score goals from basically any kind of position, um, maybe he doesn't get his chance at Atlanta. But I don't think this is. 
I think um, this might be his last year in USL for definite because, yeah. I mean, he's just head and shoulders above everybody else. And obviously, no disrespect to a uh, Valeski or a uh, Dane Kelly, but maybe it's a little biased, but Romario's, like I said, head and shoulders above, above everybody else. Yeah, it sure seems that way. I think it's also interesting to talk about another Jamaican who is in the the run for the Golden Boot right now with him, Dane Kelly, only a couple years older than him. Dane Kelly doesn't really get runs out with Jamaica, and he's scoring just as many goals and is getting almost no attention from MLS teams. Is that... um, You've seen both players. Um, Tell me about the difference between the two, and and does Romario just pass that eye test? Is he that much better than Dane Kelly? There's not... There's not a lot different between the two of them <laughs> I think um, Dane's Dane's obviously gotten a lot in his locker but I think um, Romario is a bit a bit more naturally gifted than Dane is and um, hard work is paying off you know he's he's built himself up in the in the off season and that's part of why he's been so prolific this season is because he's he's more grounded hmm. and he's built himself up and you know and people take that for granted because you know you know they're like well what what could 10 pounds of muscle do for you but when you're up against a 6'3 200 pound center back when you're holding the ball up, as Romario's well done well at this season, it's it's gonna pay off. It really is. Um, I completely agree, and and perhaps that's one of the the bigger things too. Do you think some of it? It seems like you were implying it. Do you think perhaps behind the scenes in the locker room, Romario might be someone, or even just the work ethic is Romario someone that people kind of respect more in that way? Do you think? Just just I kind of if so. it was your I guess. Think- I think so. He's got his head screwed on right, Romario. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he had a. I think it has a lot to do with what's been going on with him behind the scenes, as you said. He's had a kid in the off season. I think he got married hmm. as well, and and all that all of that can go into you know changing your outlook on your whole life and career and. That's really important in the long run, you know? Yeah, and I can attest to the uh, the qualities that a wife and a child can add to your life in uh, discipline, for sure. Um, it's something that can yeah. make big changes for everyone. I think everyone knows. Discipline, that's what I was getting at, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, let's get back to Charleston and kind of wrap up with this. What do you think the rest of the season is going to look like with Charleston? Are they going to push through these injuries? Are they going to be able to make it through the loss of Romario to the Gold Cup if they keep winning? Uh, what do you think the rest of the season looks like? It's it's difficult because as hard as Ju- uh, July's been without Romario and without Guerra and, um, you know, with the um, chopping and changing in the lineup that's been going on, uh, August is a bit worse because we don't have um, 
because we don't have many home games in August. I think we only have one in five that's home that's at home. So that's going to be a difficult test for us. But um, Guerra is supposed to be coming back to full fitness. You'll see more of the Atlanta guys coming down, um, like Kunga and maybe Miles Robert Robinson as well. Mm. So um, we'll see. We'll have Romario back in August, which is also, which is always a good thing if you have your best striker back. <laughs> Indeed, and especially if you're kind of down two of your main attacker attacking force. Um, definitely be good yeah. to get some reinforcements there. Um, one last thing. You mentioned a couple things that I hadn't considered yesterday, how uh, the games yesterday in the Gold Cup, how um, you know Atlanta is looking forward to maybe not having Kyle Laren to face um, when they play Orlando. I think that's tonight, actually. And, uh, yeah, and how you, I'm, I'm obviously excited. Charleston fans want Romario back, so they kind of wanted Jamaica to lose. So... It's kind of interesting how the Gold Cup's playing into USL and MLS right now in, in your neck of the woods. It's a catch-22, you know, because you want, publicity-wise, you want uh, Romario to do well mm-hmm. at the Gold Cup, which he's been doing well. But also, in a selfish standpoint, you want Jamaica to go out because you're missing Romario as well. So it's 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 weird. But the bet... The good thing about it is that he's scoring goals, so he hasn't lost that itch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, while while you're missing him, he's still scoring goals, so maybe that doesn't interrupt um, him being with the Gold Cup squad, doesn't interrupt that goal-scoring form because he is in the goals. Indeed. Well, let's leave it at that. I, uh, Jonathan, I really appreciate you bringing me up to date and giving me a more insider's opinion on all the, the takes I've been spewing out without any kind of evidence to back them up. I appreciate you kind of throwing that out there. And um, why don't you tell everybody um, where they can find you online in case they want some more information on Charleston? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, our Twitter is at Black Yellow Post. And... Um, we're not we're not as you said we're not as controversial right. as as other USL teams because uh, part of that's paranoia to be honest <laughs> because I'm a super, I'm honestly superstitious that's so um, um so our Twitter is at Black Yellow Post our Facebook is the the Black and Yellow Post um, so. And uh, the blog is blackyellowpost.wordpress.com. Good stuff. So you can at all three of those. Um, and I'm also on Dirty Cell Soccer. Um, at Dirty Cell Sock as well. I do battery write-ups for them as well. So, you know, um, give us a shout. Yeah, definitely. I, I got that wrong earlier. It's not soccer and sweet tea. It's it's the dirty South. That was my mistake. Um, yeah. yeah, really good stuff, Jonathan. I think it's really funny that you, you do the the things you do. A lot of it is superstition. It, it honestly makes you come across as being a little more mature than uh, others, even this 34-year-old you're talking to right here at times. So um, really good stuff from uh, Black and Yellow Post. I recommend everybody looks it up. 
And if you're curious about what you're talk what we're talking about today and you want to see it for yourself and give any comments, we would love to hear from you on the ECC podcast um, on Twitter or STL Soccer Report on Twitter. Um, you can watch Atlanta play OC uh, Orange uh, Orange County Orlando City tonight at 6:30 on ESPN. You can also catch Charleston and the Rowdies is a really good matchup. People who like to hold the ball and people who like to counter, and they're both very good at it. So I recommend uh, you watch that on uh, this Saturday at 6:30. That's tomorrow night. Um, or even tonight if you're listening on a Saturday. Uh, Once again, Jonathan, thanks so much for talking to me, and I hope we'll talk again soon in the future, and good luck for the rest of the uh, season here. Thanks, Phil. Um, I had a good time, and um, it went better than my first uh, run out on a podcast, so I'm very (laughs) happy with that. (laughs) I'm glad to hear it, man. Good, good. Good, good. More practice makes perfect. All right, we'll talk again soon, man. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to the STL Soccer Report, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, BGN.FM, and STLSoccerReport.com. If you have any questions you'd like read on air, please send them to STLSoccerReport at gmail.com.